How We Got to Now by Stephen Johnson. One sentence summary. How We Got to Now explores the history of innovation, how innovations connect to one another, create an environment for change, and where innovations come from. My favorite quote from the author is, Sometimes the way a new technology breaks is almost as interesting as the way it works. Stephen Johnson Stephen Johnson is a popular science author who's written 10 books on topics like innovation, cognitive science, and even video games, as well as host of the TV show of the same name as this book, How We Got to Now, which explores the history of innovations, how different innovations link to one another, and what the conditions are for us to create more of it. It's often very hard to pinpoint the causes of huge innovations like the internet, because they develop over a long time, with lots of input factors like societal conditions, technological progress, and of course, the right person tinkering with the right thing at the right time. Thanks to Stephen Johnson, you can get a clearer picture of how we've arrived in our 21st century world, as well as learn how you can better understand other innovations in the future. Here are my three main takeaways from this book. 1. Innovations can create an environment for more change rather than just a change on their own. 2. One innovation can act as a springboard for another, unexpected one, and even change the legal situation. 3. Some innovations highly depend on the person creating them and their rich background. Would you like to pull back the curtain and take a look at the inner workings of innovation? Let's give it up for Stephen Johnson. How we got to now, lesson one. Sometimes innovations don't directly cause change, but create the right environment for it. This answers the question, what is an uncommon effect innovations have on how they actually develop? The Renaissance was one of the most innovative periods in history. Lasting from roughly the 14th to the 17th century, the density of innovations and technologies that allow society to progress hasn't been as big again until 300 years later. Gunpowder, glasses, the printing press, the flush toilet, the microscope, the telescope, the submarine, matches, that's just a tiny selection of its accomplishments. One thing you probably wouldn't think of as a crucial innovation in this era, or a crucial innovation at all for that matter, is the mirror. Yet, without the mirror, we probably wouldn't have had a renaissance in the first place. In the 1400s, glass blowing first came out, which made it easier to create glass mirrors at scale, though they were still very expensive. Before the mirror, people couldn't look at themselves. Imagine the feeling you'd get if you first looked at a mirror when you're 21. The Renaissance was a period of introspection and self-awareness. People started to think and look inward. Self-portraits first came up, as did novels written in the first person. None of this would have been possible without people being able to look at themselves and start reflecting. In this way, the mirror didn't exactly cause the Renaissance, but it's impossible to imagine it without it because it created the right environment for this change. How we got to now, lesson two. Innovations can lead to other unexpected innovations and even cause laws to change. This answers the question, what are some, uh, do, failed, do failed innovations also have benefits? Sometimes, however, an innovation is of course directly responsible for a huge change, like the light bulb, for example. Before artificial light, there were only candles, but they were expensive to make. Guess what they were made of? 
the stuff that's in a sperm whale's head. It's called spermaceti, and the only way to get it is, you guessed it, to hunt and kill whales. Which is both a terrible and expensive endeavor. Luckily, Thomas Edison broke through before they went extinct, and gave people sustainable light whenever they wanted it. The light bulb acted as a springboard for huge further innovations that built upon it. Flash photography, flash photography, for example. First tested by Charles Smith in the late 1800s by creating a mini explosion to illuminate the king's chamber inside the pyramids of Giza and taking a picture. It was later used by Jacob Rees to document the horrible living conditions in a New York neighborhood called Five Points. Being visualized for the first time, the images garnered huge support for a new law to be passed, which effectively eliminated those conditions and greatly improved the situation. And that's how one innovation can lead to another and another and another, and eventually even change things on a governmental level. How we got to now, lesson three. Not all innovations are inevitable, some are very personal. This answers the question, are all innovations the result of people striving to make progress? In case of the light bulb, it's actually not that self-evident that we think of Thomas Edison as the inventor. Around 20 people came up with very similar concepts and working prototypes at almost the same time. Edison was just the one to popularize it the fastest. That means, first, the desire to replace the candle was global, not just local. And second, the level of knowledge around the world was up to the challenge of creating something that did it. Now, this kind of innovation is different from one that seems to come out of the blue and is really the effort of a single individual. Like when Ada Lovelace wrote the first computer algorithm in the 1840s. Charged with the task to translate a paper from French to English, she added notes to it, coming up with a step-by-step -step program to compute Bernoulli numbers, thus writing the first working piece of quote-unquote software ever. Unlike the light bulb, this wasn't an urgent problem and nobody was working on this. It was much rather the result of her looking at math from a poetic angle, because she'd been educated in both fields, and thus a heavily personally influenced innovation. As you can see, there are many ways to change the world, and it doesn't matter whether you're part of a huge team or work alone. Here's what I learned from How We Got to Know by Stephen Johnson. Now, reading Ada Lovelace's uh, paragraph here reminded me of another innovation that's, that sounds eerily similar to how Ada Lovelace wrote the first computer algorithm. Um, but I also want to talk about two, I think, necessary preconditions for innovation to happen, which are very counterintuitive and that we wouldn't think of. Um, let me first address the Lovelace situation. So, uh, remember, she was she was charged with translating this paper for actually her a professor or so. She was very lucky. She had a rich family. She got a good education. Again, she learned about poetry and math and a whole bunch of other subjects. And uh, she was working for a professor, I believe. And then she translated this paper. And it turned out she was brilliant at sort of software and writing algorithms. And she wrote this sort of program to compute Bernoulli numbers. And that's considered the first algorithm to this day. Now... There is another innovation that happened much more recently that also may not be the work of a single individual, but a group, but we don't know. And the name of that individual or group is called is Satoshi Nakamoto. The technology I'm talking about is blockchain. Now, blockchain is the underpinning technology of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. And this, this, this software 
um, people say it has the potential to change the world because it allows us to decentralize all kinds of things like uh, voting in elections, like currency, um, like charities, and basically eliminate all the middlemen. So we wouldn't need, for example, a government to vouch for our money, the value of our dollars, for example, but we would just vouch for the value. The currency itself, the algorithm, the software would vouch for the value of the currency and the number of people in the system. So if you Google around blockchain, just read upon it, it has huge potential. And the idea was developed uh, by a, an anonymous person or group, we don't know, called Satoshi Nakamoto. And it came out of a paper, I think the paper was published in 2008, right around the financial crisis. And it was about a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer currency system called Bitcoin. And it was, the, it was really the work of an individual, right? They were frustrated by the situation, but it was not like somebody was working against sort of, you know, ruining or, or replacing the dollar, for example, or replacing the fiat financial system. It was just this group, they, they took this problem to heart and they worked on it with their unique perspective. And that's what came of it. And eventually out of this paper, Bitcoin developed. And now uh, Bitcoin started with a value of, I think, less than a cent. And now a Bitcoin, a single Bitcoin is already worth $4,500, which is pretty insane. We don't know where it will go, but it was definitely a piece of innovation. It was very, very personal, not necessarily a global effort. So that just reminded me. The other thing I wanted to talk about briefly is the conditions. And I, th I see two things. Uh, first of all, the desire doesn't... like it can't be your desire to create innovation. Like that can't be a, a purpose in and of itself. Okay. So what I mean by that is that people usually then do great things. They start small. They focus on details. They optimize things. They want to make this thing a little bit better. Right. And somehow suddenly in the process of it, they stumble upon something that is a 10 X better, but it's not the way you start out. You don't say, we're going to charge the world, we're going to replace cars, da, 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 da. like that's not how you start. Because if that's, that's how you start, then your ego is so conflated and inflated that it's going to be hard to have the humility you need to actually reach, reach that point and stay in business for that long. So I think innovation really starts from humility and incrementing and making incremental progress and taking it in small steps and not you know, coming up with this grand vision and talking a lot and da 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 and shooting way too far, way too early. The other part I see is that you can't build innovation from, and that's sort of counterintuitive or where the two cro almost cross each other. You can't build innovation from just doing things that are safe, like doing things as the way they've always been. You do have to make improvements, right? They have to be small, but you do have to make improvements. And you can't wait for the world to be ready for those improvements because otherwise it won't be innovative. So uh, Seth Godin, in, I, I didn't find the talk or video clip but he once said that Gutenberg, David Gutenberg launched the printing press when 93% of Europe was illiterate. Like, it was a really dumb time to invent the printing press. Like, it was a really dumb time to invent books because nobody could read. But it was his way of incrementally improving the kinds of stuff he, fought, he found, right? And he was working with. Like, he wanted to print more, better. And that's, that's what he found. And then he came up with his printing press and it changed everything. But not at, his, at the time, right? It took a long while to actually uh, catch on because people first needed to learn to use it. Fax machine, same thing. One, one fax in one person's office is useless. 
a fax is only useful if I can send you a fax because you also have one, right? So there needs to be a network effect. And we can't wait for this network effect because otherwise we'll be too late and there won't be anything left to innovate. So those are just some uh, some short ideas. Uh, if you like it, look it up. Steven Johnson, I watched a couple episodes of the show he has, How We Got To Now. It's really cool. Um, check that out. Just Google him, Steven Johnson. He has tons of content online. And I will see you on the next summary.